stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Knowledge is Power podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett, and I'm very excited for this episode. It's been in the works for a little while, um, but somebody that I look up to and uh, I've known for a little while now uh, through baseball. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, that'd be great. Uh, my name is Dave Stenhouse. Uh, I know Max because he, he does some work with us at the Rhode Island Baseball Institute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... Um, all right, let me think my history with Ribby. So we'll refer to it as Ribby from now on. Ribby. That's what it's called, R-I-B-I. Um, so it was, I was like 12, and I played for a different AAU team, the Tritown Thunder, and we went there, and we trained for the winter. I think we went there like two or three times. I don't know, not that much. And then after that team disbanded, I needed to find a team to play for, and I didn't want to play for any more Cherahoe based teams (laughs) so i i drove up to the big city and tried out for ribby's team and it's sort of history from there and that was in i was 13 i think and we were 14 you i'm not sure and i got introduced to coach john who is mike is mike shy and didn't want to come on the podcast (laughs) so and then he probably won't even listen to this so he he probably won't hear me talking trash about him. <laughs> you can talk trash about him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I'd love to hear your life story because I understand you played some pro baseball. And, uh, yeah, so introduce, you know, where you grew up and sort of your life story, if you want. Well, I grew up in Edgewood, Rhode Island, which very, very great community for athletics. We had some great families and you'll probably be familiar with some of them we had the bennett family who huge in hockey and two or three of the kids went on to play in the nhl we had the harrington families we had a lot of great sports families so i grew up in a edgewood played a lot of sports a lot of competitive sports and had some great teams we won a little league championship we won a junior high championship we won two legion championships two senior little league championships and a high school championship. So the the quality of sports in Edgewood was really, really high. I went on after that to go to Holy Cross. Um, stayed there for three years before I was drafted by the Blue Jays in 1980, no, 1982. And uh, played six and a half years of professional baseball. Um, never got to the ultimate. I played Three and a half years in AAA, and uh, retired as a beat-up catcher at the age of 29 years old. And since then, I've been a, a businessman and partners in the baseball school, Ribby, and at the Insurance Center in Warwick, Rhode Island. That's a brief synopsis of my life. Yeah, well, I got a lot of questions. I just Shoot. I'm thinking of questions. So let's talk about the process of getting drafted in the MLB because I've never really talked to anybody about that. I, I hear a lot of mixed things about the draft process, especially now with the new bargaining agreement going on in the major leagues, collective bargaining, collective bargaining agreement. Um, 
it's kind of insane, you know, that there might not be a baseball season this year. And I really hope there is because I love baseball. <laughs> but uh, so can you explain the process? You know, you said you went to um, you. So what, Holy Cross, Holy Cross, which is where it's in, in Worc- Worcester, Mass. Oh, it's in Worcester. Yep. OK. Um, and you got drafted out of there. At how old? I was a junior after my junior year. So I was basically 20, 21. Okay. Um, but the, I mean, when you go through a draft process, you're obviously identified with somebody that the teams are scouting. Mm-hmm. So I knew in high school that I had teams scouting me. I just knew that I wasn't mentally ready in high school to go out on my own. Yeah. So I chose to go to college and mature a little bit, but my three years in college, I knew I was being watched. I knew I was being scouted. And, uh, you know, back then you were eligible after your junior year, unless you dropped out of school prior to that. So I knew coming up to my junior year was my target point where I wanted to see what my worth was. Yeah. So can you explain sort of how the teams, uh, the team approached you? Were there any other teams that approached you? Well, they don't. That you were drafted. They don't. I mean, while, while they're watching you, you know who they are, you know, who's there. Um, A lot of them will go up to your coach and, 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 my case, it was Coach Whalen in college and ask questions. They don't usually approach you directly except to say, you know, I, I'm scouting a friend of yours. He told me to say hi, blah, blah, blah. But you know they're there. And my father was a college coach at the time, and he talked to a lot of them. So I knew basically I was being looked at, and, you know, I had a chance to go fairly high in the draft. So that's that's how – I mean, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what team is higher or low on you, but you know somebody's out there looking mm-hmm. for you. What pick were you in the draft? I was in the fifth round. Okay. And I think in that year they had 30-something rounds. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, Toronto dropped me in the fifth round, and so I, I felt I was ready, and I signed a contract after my junior year. Great. And – were there any other, like players that people might know by name that were drafted the same year as you? Drafted, uh, just by in my organization, I can tell you, I was drafted with the uh, Jimmy Key, who was left-handed pitcher, went on to be a great pitcher with the Yankees. Um, David Wells, another left-handed pitcher, who pitched the perfect game with the Yankees. They all came in my draft year, as well as <clears throat> Cecil Fielder. Okay. Who was drafted by Kansas City, yep. but ended up coming over. But I played against Cecil in rookie ball in 1980. And um, I don't know if Freddie McGriff was that same year, but he was either that year or the year after. So um, Tony Fernandez was the year before me, the shortstop. So that's I was an 82, so that's all I can think of right now yeah. in my class. What, did you ever face any pitchers that went on to to do great things in the major? I leagues? faced I faced some great pitchers. Um, I'll say it first. I faced Roger Clemens. He was oh. a young kid coming up, and I was in AAA in in Syracuse, and he came up to Pawtucket mm-hmm. and uh, faced him on multiple occasions. He's obviously very talented. And Did you get a hit off of him? I don't think I ever got a hit off from my. Uh, I remember a couple of bats, but I can't remember all my bats. Yeah. Um, I know he 
threw me a 3-2 curveball with the bases loaded, and I couldn't swing at it. He fooled me. I remember <laughs> that one at, at McCoy Stadium. There's always uh, that one pitch that, that you remember. Didn't know he had a curve, actually. Never really? threw it before, but he threw it 3-2, and yeah, he just tipped your hat. But I faced Hall of Famer Steve Carlton in spring training with the Phillies. Unbelievably uh, just amazing to look out at yeah. the mound and see Steve Carlton out there. And yeah. I faced a lot of guys. I probably go way back and name some but those are the two big guys i probably faced mm -hmm. did did you ever find yourself like mid at bat like holy crap like what they weren't as they weren't huge like roger clemens wasn't no roger clemens was on yeah. his way up yeah i was, faced another youngster john yeah. smoltz so you know oh, another yeah. hall of famer yeah. he was coming up through the atlanta yeah. i faced him when he was very young yeah. but you didn't have any idea when i faced steve carlton i knew who he was and yeah i knew he was a potential i mean a future hall of famer yeah and uh, i i just felt honored in that case to face him and uh, but yeah there's sometimes you, you when you, sometimes you get brought up to they call it big league spring training and i was lucky enough to be as a catcher to go like to five big league camps so i played in a lot of the spring training games against the big league teams and uh faced a lot of good guys and it was just a it was kind of a thrilled to, to face those guys mm -hmm. yeah and and catching's tough i mean i i never i mean i caught in like rec ball like in in, in town baseball but i was i never really i mean you saw me play like i wasn't ever a great baseball player but i loved it and that's what i found is the most important thing you know because you know i think grace baseball is the greatest sport ever invented and it's the most difficult mentally tough it sort of it it combines the mental toughness of golf with like the athleticism of, of other sports, I think. Well, there's a lot of – it's a team sport, but yeah. everything's individual. Yeah. It's one-on-one -on -one with the pitcher. You yeah. know, it's a fly ball you have to catch one-on-one, -on -one, a ground ball you have to catch one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. Within a team concept, there's a lot of individual. So you do have to be focused every play like a golfer, like you said, but you also do it within a team chemistry kind of thing mm -hmm. so it's a great sport um like you said earlier i hope i hope they get to play it this year yeah well i mean just hearing you know rob what rob manford has to say and and what's going on between on twitter i, I pay attention to that with some people that are in, that are working for the um the players uh union um and uh, I don't know if I can talk about who the person that I've been. I don't know, but um, we yeah. know that we know the same guy. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know if I can. I don't know how that how that would work. But <laughs> <laughs> we can just say we know somebody who's yeah. in the in the pro in the process. Yeah, yeah. It's it is hectic, and honestly, if I made a prediction, I think at at most spring training isn't going to happen. Which is sad. Well, if spring training doesn't happen, then yeah. they're going to lose some games because you can't go right into a season. The guys have to have some time to. Yeah. So there's no injuries and yeah. stuff. So I say if spring training is even delayed by two or three weeks, you'll see some games missed early in the year. Yeah. Which is a shame, but I hope it's hopefully it's only a few games. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is I think both of them want somewhat reasonable things. They just need to compromise and meet in the middle, and it's. And I don't think either side has been. I mean, the 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 owners really haven't even made an offer yet, you know. So owners won't make anything l legitimate till yeah. it's crunch time. Yeah, yeah. And I think when when they're pushed up to the fence and they're like they might miss games and then they start will actually be losing money. 
they might scramble and make an offer. Well, Max, you 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 see how this country operates. Nobody comes to the middle anymore to make a make a deal. And unfortunately, baseball is just like the rest of the United yeah. States right now. Yeah, divided. Yeah. So sucks. It does suck, <laughs> but we can only be hopeful. They be- because it seems like it's fans and the players' union against the owners right now. It seems like where it is. Yeah. I mean, you can say that, and of course, as a fan, you want to you probably support the players, and you want the players to get back on the field, and mm-hmm. you look at the owners as the ones who are stopping it. But you know, there's always two sides. That's what I say, and yeah. I don't know what the owners' sticking point is this time around. Um, it's always money. There's a lot of money out there, yeah. and <laughs> there's a ton of money for both sides. It's just like you said, coming to some kind Collective of collective bargaining agreement. That's all. Yeah. So I, I'm actually curious to hear. So I know your father played yes. Major League Baseball, right? And my brother, Mike, and also. your brother. Yes. Oh, I didn't know your brother did. Okay. Yep. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your, your dad's career and, and if your brother's too, if you want my, to talk well, about My dad, he was a great athlete. He was a great basketball player, two-way player. He's a Hall of Fame at URI for basketball too. But he was a great pitcher. And I can't tell you all the years and anything, but – you know, he went through the minor leagues. He what he did his time, and finally, at, at a late age, like twenty six or twenty seven, he, he got a chance with the Washington Senators. And his first year, he had a great year. He actually made the All Star team. And uh, a little funny story about that: he he knew he made the team. They all met at a headquarters uh, hotel, get on a bus to go to the game. And at that point, the American League manager was was Ralph Hulk, who was you know a famous manager back in the day. Uh, came and sat next to my father on the way to the ballpark and said, um, Dave, we have an injury and you're starting the game. So my father had no idea. And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's a rookie now and gets yeah. told I'm starting the all-star game. Wow. And he said it was a thrill, but he was nervous. And I, I can tell you the first pitch he threw, he actually hit the National League player in the shoulder. He said, <laughs> I was really nervous. <laughs> what but year was that? 1962. Is that lineup up at Ribby? Uh, that lineup is up at Ribby and yeah. had some great players from the National. He faced Aaron Mays, Clemente, uh, not Stargell, McCovey. Yeah, just a Hall of Fame lineup. And um, but my father had done well that year against the Yankees, who had Mantle and Maris in that lineup. So and he was on the Red. Did he Washington Senators? Senator. Did right. He, did he play? Played against the Yankees many okay. a times that season. In fact, he pitched against them, I think, in 62, maybe six times. So he, yeah. he wasn't totally intimidated as a rookie because he'd already had that chance to pitch against those big names. Mm-hmm. And um, he was the last. He was the first rookie to start an All-Star game, uh, and that was in 1962. And I don't know if that's been equaled yet. I don't know. I don't know if the rookie has started a game, but that was a trivia question. Mm. Who was the last rookie to start an all-star game? And it was my father. So, unfortunately for him, only really got close to three years in because he had some serious injuries for his, from his elbow. And and uh, so he had to give it up before he really got – he had the potential, of course, but mm-hmm. it's just injuries. Sometimes it's just the reality of it. My brother Mike was much like me. He was a, knew he was being scouted in high school, but – my brother Mike was a little more uh, intellectual than I. He went to Harvard. Oh. Uh, he always had that part of him. Yeah. And uh, but he back in the day after his junior, year, he got drafted by the Oakland A's in the first round. 
And back in the day, Oakland was owned by Charlie Finley. You, you know the name? Well, he was notorious as an owner and didn't want to pay anybody. Uh. So my brother, when he got drafted by Finley, went to sign his contract, and Finley offered to him 10th round money, not first round money. So my brother said, no, I'll go back to school. Yeah. My brother went back to school, got drafted again in the first round after a senior year, this time by the Montreal Expos. And um, my brother was won a triple crown in AAA and played over three years with the t- um, Expos, Red Sox, and Twins in the big, year, big leagues. Almost four years he got in. Wow. All over the place, yeah. And um, my brother and I actually got to play each other, against each other on many occasions. In AAA, he was with the Paw Sox. I was with Syracuse in spring training. You know, like I told you, I get to play in a bunch of big league games because I was a catcher and they always needed extra catchers. Mm-hmm. So I got to play against my brother on numerous occasions, which was two little two guys from Edgewood, Rhode Island, playing on the, on a big big scale. It was That's pr- awesome. Pretty awesome, yeah. It was yeah. awesome. That's like, well, I think the biggest celebrity down here in, in Southern Rhode Island and Hope Valley in Charlestown is Billy Gilman. I don't know if you know who that is. See, the two guys in Northern Rhode Island don't even know that. <laughs> age, age gap. Yeah, well, I mean, he's um, he was on The Voice. He came in second place on The Voice. Uh-huh. And uh, he had an album back, a country album back when he was 11 or 12. And he's, wow. he's from um, Hope Valley, right down the road. Lake Country in West. I have to look him up. He, yeah, he doesn't sing country anymore. No. No, he's more of a pop guy now. Um, yeah, he, uh, but he opened for like Blake Shelton back in the, uh, late nineties, early two thousands. And, uh, I haven't met him. I mean, I've been around him. I've seen him at, at events, but I never met him. Um, but my dad works with his, uh, father-in-law or used to, I don't know, but I don't know. seems like a nice guy. Never met him, but, um, that's like the most famous person. Well, there's, here. <laughs> there's some pretty successful people out of Rhode Island. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Well, so, I mean, when the state's been around for as long as it has, it's bound to. Bound to. We yeah. got some, I mean, I was just reminded, I had dinner with him recently. Joey Hassett from Providence played in the NBA, played, played at Providence College in the NBA. You know, was a great, great shooter. Uh, Billy Amon was a number one draft pick out of Brown University, Walker, Rhode Island kid. Played 12 seasons in the big leagues, probably something you didn't know because of that age gap. I mean, there's some there's some really good players. Davey Lopes came out of Rhode Island, and I could go on and on, but there are some people who did some great things coming out of a small state like Rhode Island, mm-hmm. not just in baseball either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I'd love to hear the story of Rhode Island Baseball Institute and and how it got started. Well, that that was an idea of a, of a gentleman named Tony Ponticelli who played with the Yankees. It was a pitcher. And uh, myself, John Mello, who's current partner with me, had just gotten out of ball a couple of years, mm-hmm. looking for things to do. And this guy, Tony, who isn't with us because physically he couldn't do it. He had some, he had some health issues. So that's why you haven't ever got to know him. And he, he started this in a little, little building in Johnston and I'm going to say 1992, and we had basically room for one cage and a couple pitchers mound, and we just started there. It was very, very small, small groups, and there was nothing in Rhode Island like it, and it really caught on. 
was, so within two years, we were over at the building we're at now on, uh, you know, off of Post Road in Warwick and um, just grew, grew out of a need for, I think, instruction for baseball mm-hmm. and softball, but also I think the parents recognized that they could take their kids to our place and we were going to do a good job with them regardless of they were an average player, a terrible player, or a great player that we, we would uh, take good care of them, give them some basic instruction. And now it's almost 30 years later, we're still in that building in, on Warwick, off of Warwick Ave, I'm in Warwick, and um, still doing the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, you, you knew when you were 12 and 13, you yeah. came in there. We, we haven't, you can't reinvent the wheel, so we're no. doing basics, and that's what any sport is you got to do the basics and we're still doing that today well i think from a business standpoint it's absolutely amazing that it's lasted as long as it has because even down here you see those types of businesses come and go come and go come and go because they don't have the legacy that ribby has and then they try to branch out into different sports and then they can't find people to to help with those different sports and it's and i i honestly love ribby i so now I'm I'm coaching there now f- for those of you listening, which is awesome. I love coaching. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's so I had I coached um last year was my first time coaching. I coached a rec team down here in Cherahoe, and um, that spring went it went all right. <laughs> had an experience. Every coach has an experience with parents and players. It sucks, but you don't do it for that. You do it because you love the sport and uh, you love teaching the game, and then. Um, then I coached a rec team that fall. I was super busy with school and the business. My 3D printing company got super busy, so I had to actually leave halfway through the season. I'm like, I, I, I remember having a conversation with the VP of the Little League. I'm like, listen, I have class Wednesday nights. I'm not going to be able to make any Wednesday games. They're like, that's fine. You'll make it work. And I like, I made it work for as long as I could, and I just couldn't do it anymore. And then I pr- approached Coach John and Dave Roy um, about uh, – possibly helping out at Ribby and then that fall I started helping out with um like two classes I think and then this winter I've, I'm there now this one you're big big time yeah you have four days a week <laughs> well the thing is Max like you said there, we've had a lot of competition a lot yeah. of competitors but the reason why I think we're still there through all that is because of what you said there's guys in there who really love the game of baseball yeah. And they're not doing it solely for a paycheck. They're not doing it for any other reason besides the fact that they want to give a little bit back mm-hmm. and that they love the game and this is a way to keep you, your fingers into the game a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I've been doing it 30-something years and have some, you know, I have some injuries and that back from when I was a catcher that are creeping up on me, but... Last year, I didn't do the school for various reasons, health reasons, the pandemic, and I missed it. Mm. And I'm so glad I'm back doing classes this year. But from my perspective, we have a lot of people like that who come through the school as instructors and just love the game of baseball. And, yeah. And I think that's why Ribby is still standing today because mm-hmm. we love the game of baseball. Yeah. I mean... So I'd love to hear some business practices. So when you first get first got it started, what was uh, sort of like the business model, and how did you market? How did you get your name out there? Well, the first year in the small building was basically local. We were mm-hmm. in Johnston, and we just t- 
hooked up with some local people, had them spread the word that we're going to do this. And plus, John Mello, you know, was from Johnston and mm-hmm. had just gotten out of professional baseball. So he was known in that area. Um, and like I said, Tony, who couldn't do a lot of the physical work because of his health, did a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, small ads here and there. But there was nothing like it in Rhode Island. Mm. So we didn't know what to expect. We didn't. We grew. We learned as we grew, but the people flocked to us. Um, and like I said, that first year was more like it's the only place like it in the state. The next years after that, I think more parents saw that we were doing a really good job. And you put on top of that, when we expanded, my father, who we already talked about, came into the business. Um, we had a few other people as financial people who came into the business, help us get into the new building, get our feet going. And um, and then the business plan from then on was to just grow the business within within our means because the building's not the biggest building, but it was good for what we wanted. Mm-hmm. Like you said before, a lot of these places have collapsed trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. I think what we've focused on is the things we do good and haven't tried to do other things. And But the business plan, Max, was to just try to grow and try to make it work. And once we saw the success we were having, even though there was competitors popping up, we just stuck to the game plan, mm-hmm. which was to do the basics and try to do a great job with every kid, every class that came through. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so it's a really interesting standpoint because when I first, my, I think the first time I was exposed to an indoor baseball place wasn't Ribby, it was the Bomb Squad in South Kingstown, which was over in Old Peastell Mills over there. And uh, that place lasted, I think, maybe two years. And it was in a big bill, it was in a really big, like probably twice the size of Ribby. Right. And. Um, they had a, like a pro shop, you know, and, and they had like, they, they had like a really wide open area. They had like four areas for pitching. Then they had four more cages for like hitting, you know, it was a a really large spot. Um, and, uh, really nice put together area, but it just didn't last horrible location. Really. I think that was probably the main reason horrible location. Cause the thing about, you know, Ribby is it's. 30 minutes away for everybody in Rhode Island, really. Whereas, exactly. whereas SK isn't, right. <laughs> you know, like whatever the percentage is of people that live Northern of SK in Rhode Island, it's high, you know, and, every, no, and nobody likes to drive more than 20 minutes in Rhode Island. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they still don't. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably, that's, that's probably the main reason why they didn't last that long. And plus they didn't really have a, a lot of legacy coaches like you guys have. Um, and, uh, and then there's a new place that just opened up and since they're in business, I'm not going to say who it is, (laughs) but, uh, in South Kingstown, we'll see how they do. They literally opened up maybe a couple months ago. I think, you know, the place I'm referring to, I'll tell you later, but they're doing more than baseball. They have like pickleball. They're just opening up a golf simulator, which I, so they're a sports facility. Yeah. They're a sports facility. Yeah. Um, they do baseball, softball, but Ribby does softball too. Yes. Um, we've, we've always, I, if I yeah. don't mention it, I'm sorry, but we have done softball for the whole time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. My sister went there a few times and, uh, then you had Carolyn I Nucelli. I remember she would be there sometimes. Yeah. She's great. Uh, played baseball with David. That was fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, um, that place we'll see. I, I'm really interested to see how that place does. Cause again, it's not in a great location. You have to know where it is to get there. It's not like you're driving Pyatt and Warwick, but a, a sports facility may tend to do better because again, it's going to yeah. be unique in Rhode Island That mm-hmm. pickleball and all the other things mm-hmm. you said. Um, but again, go back to what I said earlier. We only do what we know we're good at. Yeah. And then we don't try to do anything more. And mm-hmm. nowadays, if you go into with the with the business plan, you've got to include pro shop. You've got to include maybe refreshments uh, just to get by. Mm-hmm. And we have never gone down that avenue. And the reason is, is simple. We know what we do and we just do that. Well, you got a vending machine now. We got a vending machine. We've yes. upgraded a lot at that. Yeah. We have a we have a vending it's a really machine. really nice vending machine too. Yeah. So that's that's been a big adjustment for yeah. us going to a vending machine. We had, we were we were basics. Yeah. Bread and butter. Well, that's like um, when I played baseball there. It, it, we know our team was called Rhode Island Baseball Institute, and we we had the uniforms. It was Coach John, and there were other age groups, but yep. they were like what like four three or four teams four yeah and um now that's the bandits i think three years ago we uh we partnered with the bandits yeah who had six teams at the time and i think now the combination is nine teams yeah i mean that run through the school under the bandits name Mm -hmm. but they all train at rhode island baseball institute and that's kind of you know the market has changed in a way max Back in the day, even right before you, most of our students were individuals. You know, once in a while we train a team, but most of it, with the onset of AAU being so popular, we had to refocus. And now what we do, even besides the Bandits, you'll see is we get other AAU teams in mm-hmm. and we train them through the winter. And then when spring comes, they, they're ready. They yeah. go out with their coaches on the field. But that team concept now is probably, and that's why we partnered with the Bandits. It's because um, a lot of these kids that we don't get are working out with their AAU teams at another place, and it's understandable. That's that's the way it is, and that's how the we we had to refocus our business a little bit because kids were staying with their team, and if their team was working out in Lincoln or, like you said, South Kingston, that's where they went. So. Mm-hmm. That's a little different. Before you, everything was an individual basis. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious to hear, like, you know, how that worked back in the day. So there was, like, was there even AAU back in the 90s? It was not AAU when we were there was no even, there, or even early 2000s. And yeah. It wasn't as popular. I mean, there were teams out there, but they were far and few between. Now, mm-hmm. now they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so the kids just came in who wanted to train and yeah. work and uh, do some extra and get some extra instruction and now like i said it's more of a team instruction team training yeah and um that's that's how we've evolved a little bit why do you think that a you exist why 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 didn't it exist for the 100 years before that when baseball was around well i think it did exist it was mostly in the southern states where oh, they okay. play year-round baseball okay and rhode island you don't play year-round baseball no. But the teams would 
form in Rhode Island sporadically and they go to these national tournaments, find out they just couldn't compete because mm-hmm. they're playing teams that they're playing all year. So I think the, the rise in AAU came. And remember this. There was a boom in Rhode Island with kids probably about early, late 90s, 2000. And a lot of these little leagues couldn't hold all the kids. So there was always something else you had to have. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of the rec teams, CLCF had leagues. I think AAU arose from that a little bit too. Let's, let's, we got to have more games for our kids. And um, I wasn't a big proponent of AAU when it first started because m- myself, I played basketball in the winter. Mm-hmm. And I, after basketball season, I got ready for baseball season and played that throughout the su- summer, spring and summer. These kids are doing baseball 24-7 now, year-round. Yeah. So, but, I mean, that, that was different from my, uh, my age group. We always played a second sport. Uh, these kids now, they just want to play baseball, and they want to do it year-round. And I, an AAU program provides them that opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's something that can help. It definitely helped me out because I loved baseball. I sucked at basketball. <laughs> I was horrible. I played rec I, like a couple of years in high school, and I scored maybe eight points in those two years. <laughs> no, no basketball schools back then for your shooting schools. No, no, I, I, uh, I, I sucked at basketball. There was, there was no. Um, I just and I didn't enjoy it. I don't know. I just didn't like basketball. I wasn't good at it at all, and that probably was a big reason why I didn't enjoy it. Whereas, whereas baseball, I. I I don't know. I wasn't great at baseball, but I've really enjoyed it. I don't know. I don't know why that happened with baseball, but I don't know. Baseball is American. Yeah. Apple pie, Chevrolet, yeah. baseball. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a great game. It's a great game. But um, we, my father, I told you, was in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. at URI. He played basketball. So, mm-hmm. growing up. We had a court in our yard, so when okay. it was cold out, we'd, we'd play outside all, yeah. all winter. Yeah. My brother, my father, we played one-on-one games. and So basketball was a big part of our life growing up. And I, yeah. if I had to do it all over again today, I'd probably hit all year, but I'd still play basketball. Yeah. Well, yeah, hitting and fielding is something that – fielding isn't as difficult as hitting in baseball i think baseball uh hitting is by far the hardest thing to do in all sports i mean it's just physics you're hitting a, a round ball with a round bat even in um what's that game cricket yep they use a flat. giant flat bat <laughs> you it know? is and they throw slower than than a lot of some pitchers do in baseball well they're called bowlers in cricket right um but and it's really i i do not understand that game at all i've tried to understand it the scoring system is totally messed up you have to like really whereas in baseball it's like home run one run you know and it's runs and not points in baseball a lot of people get that confused but it's it's a really i don't know have you ever had an experience? i watch it but i don't yeah. i i just enjoy it because it's competitive but yeah. i don't know how they i don't know the rules. no it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 really complicated yeah like you know you ever hear that guy john boy media you ever hear of him on youtube he does like funny baseball analysis video uh, analyst, uh, you know what I mean? Videos. Yes. And, um, he, uh, did a video on cricket and he starts explaining the point system and he's like, there's six points here, there's three points there. And then this is called that. And this is all this. And then they have this amount of things. If they run out of this, then this can't happen. And I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> well, now you know how those other countries who love cricket 
feel when they're looking at a baseball game. Well, I mean, they probably don't understand what the heck's going on. But like in terms of a points keeping system or a runs keeping system, it's a lot simpler. <laughs> well, you grew up with it. I grew up in my whole life, so it's very yeah. simple. Yeah, yeah, and it. I I understand why people think baseball is boring to watch. At the same time, I don't understand because because you have to watch. I, I watch baseball from an analytical standpoint. I watch it because I'm thinking about what pitch is going to be thrown next, how the players are going to be positioned, you know, what what play call. Because people don't understand, you know, when you have runners on base, there's different plays you can put into the game, and if the guy's going to steal, is it going to be a delayed steal, which you don't see a lot in the big leagues, you know, whether or not they should bunt or not, things like that that the average person watching baseball doesn't think about. They just look at it and they're like, nobody's doing anything. Whereas in the background, there's a million things going on that, that you just don't see. I agree with you yeah. 100% on that. I mean, part of the reason I became a catcher is because I'd be involved in more than every pitch I'm involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, so the behind the scenes, the uh, – signaling the pitcher so you, you you don't get your sign stolen mm -hmm. knowing what the hitter likes and doesn't like mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff you can't see on tv screen no yeah no that's like and that's something i've never understood is people think that stealing signs is bush league it's not it's part of the game if you got a runner in second base and you're a catcher and you're holding up the signs very easy to see that's your fault you know if the if the if the runner sees that like you got to do a better job of hiding your signs you know switch the signs up do something like, it's part of the game. It's yeah. always been there. Yeah, and and because it was happening, you know, with the Astros, that that's a well, step that's, too far. That's a different story. But then, but then you have guys just talking about it, like in in regular games, and and you'll see, like I don't remember, but it happened last year. I think it had to do with like the Yankees or something, and somebody was stealing signs, and they were getting mad at each other on Twitter or something like that. I'm like, like grow a pair, dude. Like that's part of the game. It's part of the game. It's not what not what Houston did. They were no, using video no, they cameras. Stole. Yeah, yeah. What what happens most of the time in the, in a in baseball, especially at a higher level, is they're really stealing location more than the pitch. Mm. A lot of hitters don't trust that that guy in second base knows the right pitch, but yeah. they can read location. So if I'm a hitter and I know the guy's trying to pitch me away or in, it's a big advantage to me. Mm -hmm. So if I get location and not the pitch. That's almost as big to me as getting the pitch because we had teammates who tried to steal signs, but you're never 100% that they knew what they were doing. So yeah. I never I never looked for that. Yeah. If a guy said this catch is moving early, I can give you a location. Well, that's a different story. Then mm -hmm. you can look, you can separate the plate, look mm -hmm. at half of it. Um, stealing signs what Houston did is not. No. That was, that was wrong. But guys on second, if they can pick something up, all more power to them. I would do it because so when I played in high school, um, my freshman year, you know, baseball sports is all politics, really, uh, meaning who plays and who doesn't. Sometimes it has nothing to do with your skill. I would be I would coach first base a lot because we only had one coach for JV, and I'd coach first base. And a lot of times I'd see catchers, which I could see their signs clear as day, and I was like. Phew. I'm going to tell my hitters what's going on. So I would tell the guys before we'd go out, I said, listen, after the first inning, I can see what signs a guy's throwing out. If I say, you know, you know, uh, let's go, Sean, it's fastball. If I, so, if I say, here we go, Sean, it's an off-speed pitch. 
you know, something like that. We had that back when I was a kid. Yeah. We same thing. Yeah. It's it, and and but guess what that goes back to? What? Instruction. Yeah. Catcher doesn't know unless he's told how to give a proper sign. Mm-hmm. And then you learn that if I give a proper sign, this won't happen. Mm-hmm. Like I always look for a first base coach like you, Max. Somebody was looking in, and I know at that point this guy's trying to steal my. I got to do something different. Mm-hmm. So I loved picking up on the little things. Like I mean, because that first two years of high school, I never played. And I hated it. And I almost didn't play baseball in high school the past two, the last two years because they never played me. And I was pissed. I never got a shot. And um, and that's why I love Ribby so much is because Coach John gave me a shot. And um, there was no politics on that team. You played if you were good. I remember one time, I'm going off a tangent here. I'll get back to where I was going. But I remember one time we were playing at Cranston West, one of the many doubleheaders we played on Sundays. And... I didn't run all the way to first base. And it was like the second inning in the first game. And guess what? I didn't play the rest of the day. You were on the bench. <laughs> exactly. So um, like that, Coach John didn't care. And he taught me so many things about baseball, about being a teammate, which is, I think, more important. And just like so many lessons were taught on that team and that's why i love ribby and baseball and 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 coach sean and that place is awesome and i will forever be thankful but i forgot what i was talking about before that um what was i talking about before that we were just talking about baseball being not boring behind the scenes stuff going on so i i would like to pick up on this little on these little things so there's this pitcher this lefty pitcher that i played with you know since little league and whenever whenever we started doing pickoffs you know and when we got to the big field um, I would always notice like he would, he'd tip pitches. I'd see it. It was clear as day and he never fixed it. But so like, well, I say tip pitches. So like, you'd know when he'd throw a pitch and, and you'd know when he was going to pick off at first base and it would be like a glove movement thing. He'd go to deliver at home plate, his glove, when he lift his knee up, his glove would go up with his, with his, with his knee. knee. And then when he'd go to throw over to first, he'd pick up his leg and his hands wouldn't move. You know, if you faced him multiple times and you're a player that would notice that sort of thing, you'd see it right away, you know, and you see that in the major leagues too. You like actually Houston, you saw that, um, when, uh, in the world series, uh, and, and, um, when did they make it to the world series in 19 against, or no, they were playing the Rays in the ALCS. That's when I remember, uh, Blake Snell was tipping his pitches. It had to do with his curveball and his glove location, right? You'd see when he'd throw a fastball, uh, it w- when it was like the slightest thing, like it wasn't even where his glove was in conjunction with his body. It was like, it was turned a little bit when he'd throw a curveball and it was flat when he'd throw a fastball, like things like that. The pitcher doesn't even realize that he's doing it. And and that surprises me because nowadays with all the video yeah. both teams are using, yeah, the home the Ray should have known he was tipping his pitches. But again, that's part of the game. Yeah. I mean, you do that's not cheating. Yeah, when you're picking up a pitcher's tells, that's fine. Yeah, uh, artificially cheating is all my gripe is. But I'll go back to something you just said. Um, when you're tipping your pitches, that's part of what good instruction is mm-hmm. that's part of what a learning process um my, my i was a good pitch why did it get hit you know what i'm saying maybe i'm tipping my pitch so mm-hmm. you have to work with somebody but today with video 
shouldn't be tipping your pitches. No. It, it, yeah, it's, and, and that might have been something that they had been working on, but it's just a nervous tick, something that, you know, they, they probably told them because it only happened in, like, the first inning, you know, and then they told them, like, dude, like, you could see it because um, what's his name? The third baseman for the Astros. Um, oh, my God. Why, why am I forgetting his name? The short guy that chokes up on the bat and swings weird. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Oh, my God. This is really sad. You brought him up, so I... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'll come to me in a second. But um, he was going to tell Jose Altuve, right? He's like, listen, dude, like, you could read his lips. John Boy did an analysis on the video, and 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 you could say you could see that he was saying he's tipping his pitches, you know? And And it's like the tiniest little thing, but you can see it, you know? And I would always notice that thing... And it's almost a good thing that I coached first base as much as I did, because I learned I learned a lot more about the game, um, just by watching it, being involved in watching it, not by sitting in the stands and watching it, because I actually cared about what was going to happen. You know what I mean? So I'm almost thankful for that. But yet again, I was going to play golf my senior year if, if uh, there wasn't a change in coaching. We want so. it in here, Max. If you play golf, no. Well, I mean, it's it's like. Everything happens for a reason, and uh, the coaches that year, I think they're great guys. Don't get me wrong. I, I really like them. They're great people, uh, but when it came to coaching, I was kind of mad that I never played. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, my junior year, for God's sakes, I got four ABs, and I played in the field once. We played. We played. And you went to every practice. And I went to every practice. I supported all my teammates, and um, I, I, like, all the good guys, like when they would go and strike out, I would I would be the first person out of the dugout saying, "Listen, man, it happens." Because a lot of times where they were prima donnas, you know, and they just couldn't handle it. And I'm just like, it's part of the game. You, f- I mean, think about it. You fail more than you succeed in baseball. Three out of ten times, you're you succeed. If you do that in any other sport, you're trash. You're awful. If you miss. Seven out of ten shots in basketball, they're like, you're not going very far. Nope. <laughs> if a quarterback only you know ma- makes thirty percent of his throws, he's not going anywhere. Nope. If a receiver only catches thirty percent of his throws, not going anywhere. And in baseball, if you are a three hundred hitter, you are one of the greatest of all time. And it it's and that goes to show you the difficulty. I mean, of hitting a baseball. Very difficult. Yeah, especially especially now when you got guys throwing 95-plus miles an hour every single time. And then they come at you with a 70-mile-an-hour curveball. <laughs> the change in speed. It's like I faced 90 once, and we were playing a Boston Prospects team, and these kids were all massive, like bigger, <laughs> way bigger than our, than our, our Ribby team. I remember they had... And it was a wood bat league. So that's one time I was not happy with Coach John. It was a wood bat game, and we played in this Boston Prospects team, and they were massive. He said, Max, you're in. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I, I, I remember that one. I think it was a 1AB, this tall right-handed pitcher. And I think they only left him in for like one inning, then they took him out because they knew it wasn't going to be fair. And they, <laughs> and they wanted to give their other guys shots, I think. But... I face and and you could hear the like crazy, and I mean you you know that you've faced way more ninety plus mile an hour pitches than I have, but um yeah he totally blew me away. And then uh, Ryan Gamlin was our pitcher, 
that game gave up a tank to the catcher. Like, that field was not short either, and it went 20 feet over the fence. I don't think that ball still has landed. <laughs> but that that was crazy. I That was a great game. I don't remember. I, I, I know we lost, but I don't remember by how much. But that must have been, like, our third season, I think, our second season. I don't remember. But, yeah, because we played four years together. And we had uh, probably, I think, f- four people, four guys left. And, you know, we replaced them eventually, but... Well, those are the games you remember, though, yeah. when you face talent. Yeah. It's always... It's hard, but it's fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. I Oh, another another thing that I remember. So, we went and played up in Maine. This was our last year. Um, We went and played out in uh, Gorham, out right outside of Portland. And... um. I was facing that lefty pitcher that I played in high that I played with in high school. He was on uh, the Rhode Island Prospects, the that the um, that team, and we stay at the same hotel together. And he goes, Max, on the second pitch of your AB, I'm gonna throw you a fastball right down the middle. I'm like, this guy's messing with me. And guess what he did? Threw a fastball right down the middle. And guess what I didn't do? Didn't swing. Nope. Because <laughs> you didn't trust him. No. And and then he punched me out. I was pissed, and I'm like, I. I can still see that pitch like right now coming and I didn't swing at it. I think there's a video somewhere in our deep depths of vid- baseball videos of that AB. But uh it it's funny how you remember like those those pitches. I still have a ball from the first well I had two walk-offs. I had a bunt walk-off in Little League. <laughs> only happen only can happen in Little League. Only can happen. That's not going to happen anywhere else. Nope. <laughs> and um and I still have that baseball. And then I, um, the second walk off I had was a walk, walk off, bases loaded walk. And I, I remember um, the pitcher threw a pitch like right at me, and I got out of the way. I'm like, why didn't I just? I remember hearing Ryan's dad go, "Wear it," you know, just <laughs> screaming at me. I'm just like, I agree with you. Looking back at it in retrospect, I well, you walked anyway. <laughs> yeah, I did. But like that was like the second pitch of the AB. Um, but uh, it, it's so funny. You know that that's I will I will always remember have fond memories of baseball and uh, I don't even know where I started in this conversation but uh, that happens a lot I go off on tangents and I forget where I started baseball you talk about your experiences yeah. that's what's great about the game yeah you know it's funny because I I really wished Coach John could join us today because I wanted to ask him questions about his baseball career so can you. D- can you uh, explain his baseball career a little bit? Because I've always been curious. You know, John's not a man of many words. No. And he was in a different, he's six, five, six years younger than me, so we yeah. never had a chance to really, in high school, you know, we never played in the same era. But yeah. John's, John's a very talented player. And yeah. uh, unfortunately for him, as, as a young man, he had some back issues. Mm-hmm. And when you have back issues, you tend to favor it and it turns into other issues. So... His career was cut short by um, by that, and I know he never played to potentially thought he could because because of those injuries. But I just know this: he, I don't even know if you know this. When his baseball career was over and we were cooking at the school, he would go off in the summers and play in the top level softball tournaments in oh, the world. Oh, I know this. I met a guy that he used to play with. Yeah, and John was one of the best shortstops considered in the whole country. And I think he played for Louisville. Yeah. And 
I mean, I know that's a different game. It's a different, but you still have to be a great athlete to play shortstop because yeah. you're playing almost in the outfield. Yeah. And the guys are running on little league bases. Yeah. So just to throw. So I just know I never really got to see John in his baseball career, but I did see video of him playing shortstop in, in the softball. Mm. And, you know, just by being around John. John was a very talented guy. He just got cut short from injuries. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that's, that's, baseball's a different game. You got to play every day when you sign. You were going to play, you might have 29 games in a 30 day period. No other sport does that. Mm-hmm. It's grueling. Mm-hmm. It gets to you, it's tough. And when you have injuries and you still want to try to play, you know, I know that was John's career in a nutshell. He he had to play through some bad injuries mm. um, or you would have seen him much higher than he got. Um, but great athlete, loves the game, you mm-hmm. know. I know, yeah. Loves the game. Amazing teacher. Amazing teacher, but he's competitive. Oh, yes. Competitive, yeah. and but more so than just winning, he wants kids to improve. And I mm-hmm. think another reason... We're still here 30 years later at Ribby is because of that attitude in him. He wants the kids to do better. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some kids that come to school, you know, Max, who just don't love baseball. But those kids, John even wants to see them get better. He wants this because it's kind of stinks to see kids. They play Little League and then they put the glove and spikes away. They don't play anymore after that. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be like that. I mean, you should enjoy baseball for what it is. It's a sport. You don't have to be the best in the world. It's a team sport, and I think you know that drives John and the school a little bit. Is we just want these kids to get a little bit better. That's mm-hmm. all. Somebody else I think we should mention is uh, Rob Madonna, Jr. Um, <laughs> awesome. He coached me, you know, at Ribby. Just awesome guy. I think we should mention him too. Rob Robert, you know, yeah. very well. But yeah. I, I always tell the story. Of Robert is he's the kid who started with us when he was eight. Yeah. Went through high school with us. He went on to play college at what, Plymouth? Plymouth State. Plymouth State, yeah. Four years. New Hampshire. Came back. Yeah. We gave him a job yeah. because he's the he was with us and he's been with us now for mm-hmm. doing what you started, you know, coaching a little bit, coaching at the school. So he's probably what ten years out of college now. Maybe eight. I, think, I don't want. He it. said he was twenty nine. Oh, so he's not that. He's probably yeah. seven years out of college. Yeah. But so he's been with eight, eight to twenty nine. Mm. He's been a part of Ribby. Mm. He's big, great instructor for us. You know, he's a good yeah. coach. Um, yeah, awesome. And um, he's just one of those kids that we started him when he was eight years old. Mm. And him and his, you know, I can't mention Rob without mentioning Senior. Mm-hmm. Rob Senior loves the place. You see him come out and hang out. And, <laughs> He's hilarious. Um, so, but it's amazing that we have we've probably had a lot of kids like Rob who started mm-hmm. with us at a re- very young age, trained with us during their college days, played in college, and then you know a lot of them come back and struck for a couple of years with us before they get their full time job and move on. You know, yeah. but they a lot of them come back, which is always nice to see. Yeah, and. um it's nice that feeling that you know you did a good job with this kid because he wanted to come back and be a part of it. Yeah, and uh, Rob just exemplifies that. Yeah, you know? well, he's, he he the the knowledge he has about baseball is crazy too, and and because uh, he was a catcher too, right? He was a catcher. Yeah, so he knows a lot about the game. Um, he he actually taught my sister a little bit in catching too, and man, I wish she would 
try to go because she's at CCRI right now, and I, I, I don't know if she's gonna play at a four-year college after, because I really hope she does, because she'll regret it. It's funny because looking back on how my short life has worked out so far, uh, every time that I was playing baseball, well, not every time, but sometimes, you know, on the lo- on the lows, um, I'd wish I was somewhere else. And then when I was somewhere else, I wished I was playing baseball. And I feel like, I mean, it's my sister. She's going to regret it if she doesn't try to continue playing softball at a higher level because when, cause she, cause when you're working, you know, you're wishing you're playing softball. And then when you're playing softball, sometimes you wish you were working. But those times when you're wishing you were working are better than working. You know, like they, you hear guys say out on the golf course, a bad day at the golf course is better than a good day at the office. Yep. And it's totally true. And I mean, I had a small sliver of a chance to go play at University of New Haven. I got accepted there to, for engineering um, in eight days, which was weird. You know, colleges usually don't get back to you for a couple of months. And uh, I, I, I had tried to get in contact with a coach I was sort of in contact with them and I said I would I would I would, I would walk on I would have tried to walk onto the team they're d2 we played base good d2 they're good d2 two team um I don't know if I would have made it or not but I wish I would have tried and uh the only the the biggest reason why was price you know that, that they wanted 30 plus thousand dollars a year to go to school there and uh I was like I'm not gonna go to the bigs and uh, I don't think it's worth that mu- amount of money just to play baseball. But looking back on it, I kind of wish I did. <laughs> well, what they say sometimes, Max, is you live your life. So when you're a little bit older, you don't look back and have any regrets. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you the decision's out of your hands. You said price. I mean, that's always a factor. Mm-hmm. But kids, that's what I said. That's we, we hate to see kids give up the game too early. Mm-hmm. They should at least go out and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you, you correlates to what you're saying. If you could have had those extra four years where you went and played, you might have created some other memories for you, you know? So the the good thing and what brought us together, RIBI, is that I think we try to extend that baseball life for a lot of kids mm-hmm. or softball life for a lot of kids. When, and so they don't have regrets when they're older mm-hmm. to say, well, I wish I had played senior little league or high school baseball instead of quitting, you know? Yeah. But I, you know, I come back to um, our affiliation with the bandits and Dave Roy, who, who yeah. is our man, general manager at Ribby, but he runs the bandit program is he's given a lot more kids a chance now to play baseball that yeah, wouldn't awesome. have had that chance. Yeah. And in, in, affili- in affiliation with the baseball school. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a good thing in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it. I remember. I think we played the Bandits before they were part of Ribby a couple of times, um, and that was like 2017, probably. 17. Yeah, so that was like right before. Because yeah. because I had left, and you know there was like a couple of years there where I wasn't really at Ribby at all. Mm. At, you know, because after after high school, I think that spring, so 2019, that spring I was at Ribby training for 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 high school baseball yep and then um after that summer i i didn't go back until i, I mean i visited uh, like once or twice don't forget maybe. 20 we were basically yeah. shut down yeah because of covid yeah and then last year you know that last winter was or 
last fall was probably, you know, I, like I said, I stopped by, but, um, yeah, I mean, but then I got reintroduced to Dave Roy. Great guy. I mean, the pro, what they're doing there is, is, it's fun. I look at it from like a branding standpoint and a business standpoint and it's done amazing. I mean, they got over a thousand followers on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everybody knows of the bandits who's in baseball in Rhode Island, really. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's exemplified the ribby baseball model even more. It's helped more people know Rhode Island baseball Institute. It's given more people, more kids chances. Like you just said, um, I think it's it is a great next step for Ribby. I mean, I'm just saying, just for, well, it's a fit. Yeah, it's a fit. It's it's, a it's, fit. it's great, and 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 um, yeah, I it, I almost wish that they were there earlier because I don't know, maybe I would have went and played baseball in yeah. New Haven. Yeah, you know, and uh, but look at look at now you're back. You got. I'm doing pretty well. For you're doing. You get. You you're back yeah. in it. You're coaching. Yeah. You're instructing. Yeah, I mean that's a great thing. Yeah, now you pass it on to somebody else. I love it. And and I think so whenever I coach a team, you know, the past the two teams that I've coached, I've always tried to uh uh get this point across and that is it's when you're playing baseball, the most efficient way as from a confidence standpoint is when you're up at the plate, when you're playing your position, you have to believe that you are the greatest. I'm getting you are the the greatest player at that position in that moment nobody's better than you but as soon as you get back in that dugout you need to be the greatest teammate that there ever was you need to support your teammates you need to tell them you know that everything's gonna be all right get up move on you'll do better next time right and uh it's it's in baseball you have to be a good teammate you have to have good chemistry because that chemistry feeds off of each other and if it's not good team chemistry you could have the greatest team ever and they'll suck because they don't have because everybody's got an ego bigger than their you know their head a giant ego so that's something that i've told the players that i've coached is it's you know you when you're playing your position nobody's better it's okay to think that that's the only way you're going to succeed but Whenever you're um, in the dugout, you have to be a good teammate. And I would always punish players if they were, if they even if the player wasn't even in a dugout, like if they're sitting on the bench for the inning because that's how little league worked. Um, I'd be like, yeah, no, you're done, not happening. That's not how this is gonna work. I don't care because you know how wreck is. You have players that can barely throw a baseball, mm-hmm. and then you have the AAU kids, and. Uh, they make fun of those kids. I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. And, uh, cause I was, I was, that happened to me sometimes and it sucks. And, uh, you have to make, you have to do it in a way where it doesn't embarrass the player that's getting made fun of. And you have to do it in a way where it will destroy the ego of that kid <laughs> and maybe hope that he'll learn a lesson from that, you know, cause, and, yeah, I've, I've, that's sort of how, I mean, in my limited experience, how I've applied those. Well, when you, well, you got when you're coaching, those are the lessons you got to apply because yeah. you got to realize, like in your case, some kids are going to practice every day, working mm-hmm. just as hard as the other kids, and then when the game comes, they never get a chance. Mm-hmm. But you got to appreciate the time those kids are given, mm-hmm. the effort they're putting in, and as a coach, you remember what it was like when you never got to play, mm-hmm. and then you try to incorporate. You know what? This kid practiced all week. He's playing today. Mm-hmm. You know and 
Sometimes you just got to do that. But the lessons you learned, you've learned from your experiences, and you try to pass those on to somebody else. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's what it's all about. Baseball, you're always learning new things. You know, it's, it's, you always learn different things that teach kids just from observing so many different swings and, and, and how kids do it. And it's mainly about comfort when they're starting out their swing. But after, you know, you load, I'm getting in a technical standpoint here, but it should all be almost identical, you know, just like in golf, like you have all these different types of back swings, but as soon as they start coming forward, it's all the same. I've, I've started, I gotten into golf big time recently. Got some nice golf courses right on this road. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you golf? I golf all the time. Oh, you do. Yeah. See, I've been trying to get, go golfing with coach John for the past year. He said, he said last March, he said, Oh, we'll go in April. Guess what? Never went. (laughs) Tough guy to nail down. (laughs) Yeah. But I went with Madonna though. Um, and, uh, not the singer, but the coach we were talking about earlier, but, uh, he kicked my butt. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't even fair. But uh, this year, I'm going to kick his butt because I got some new clubs. So They look nice sitting yes. over there. Yeah, they are. They're awesome. I um, got Mizuno JPX 921 hot medals. Nice. I got fit for them, too. Extra stiff shafts. I think they're Modus. Um, and then I got some really nice golf pride grips. And I got a Callaway Rogue driver that was given to me. And then I got a... I got a um, hazardous shaft put on that stiff shaft because i don't swing very hard in my driver but i got 94 club speed with um my my irons so you're ready i'm ready man i i um i play all the time pinecrest because i know i actually had the owner of pinecrest on the podcast um love that have you ever played there before a long time ago yeah okay so uh that's like a nine hole course awesome little place um basically learned how to play golf there I'm only a uh, 15 handicap, but when I play there, I'm like probably an eight because I just played there so many times. But when I go play 18 holes, I'm shooting. 90 is a good score for me. I've shot in the 80s once or twice, but 90 is a good score for me. Uh, I don't know. What's your handicap? Between six and eight. So, oh, really? Yeah. So can you beat Madonna easily? Yeah, I have to give him too many strokes. Though. <laughs> he always asks for too many strokes. So. <laughs> yeah. Same with C- Coach John. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta play with him. It's gonna be funny. He's a, he's, a, he's interesting on the golf course. <laughs> See, because I couldn't get a straight answer out of Madonna because I don't know how good Coach John is at golf. Does he like? Is he like as good as you? No, he's he like he, no. He doesn't play as much, so you no. know it's. He, and he blew a out tough his hip a couple years ago, so yeah, and he had hips, but yeah. he he plays strictly for fun. Yeah, and you know Coach John, he likes to chirp on the golf course. And, <laughs> It's like everywhere else, so yeah, it's he, a fun experience playing with him. He can dish it out, but he can't take it sometimes. <laughs> sometimes he can't, <laughs> no. but he, he can take it on the golf courses. He knows he's not really good, Yeah, but he can hit it. He's a big guy. Yeah. He yeah. can hit it. Oh, my God. The funniest thing was happening. So the other day, he was making... I mean, he wasn't making fun of, but he was poking fun at some kid's hair. I'm like, I'm like Coach Sean, you've had the same hairstyle for the past 35 years, and you're making fun of <laughs> And he, and, he, and he goes, uh, why change something if it looks good? Coach John was brought up in that disco area. Yeah. Way before you. <laughs> yeah. Mullet. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe this is so funny. But, yeah, so, yeah, I love golf. I, I go every uh, Saturday. We I went during the summer last year. I, I um, met Meadow, the, Meadowbrook's right down the road. Yeah, Meadowbrook. We played there a bunch, but we mainly played Richmond Country Club. Richmond. Um, but Meadowbrook is tough, man. That that course, 
from where we were playing it, like 6,500 yards, but it's a long 6,500 yards. Good layout. Very good layout. I mean, it was built to try to be like a PGA course. Yeah. It really is. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's a link style course. So it's all right on top of each other. It's not like those other courses where it's their holes aren't on top of each other. Like it's a good layout. Yeah. I, I like it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I, and I played Lake of Isles last year. Nice. Which is, um, for those of you listening, it's uh, at Foxwoods. It's, it's a really nice course. That's another long course. Um, I don't remember how long it is, but I mean, they have a lot of tees. You can play it pretty deep. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we played the second back, so not the front ones. And the front ones are really far front. We played the second ones back, so I think it was like gold, or and then whites, and then the tips. I so the, there's like red, gold, whites, and tips. We were yeah. playing the golds. Tips are tough. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's like a lot of courses are designed for the tips, and then and then when you go play everything up front, it's like. There are holes that are normally driver holes aren't driver holes when no. you play forward. No. Um, that's like a perfect example of that. If you ever played Richmond Country Club, that 10th hole, right? The 10th hole. That's what I'm thinking. So so you know where the putting green is? Oh, yeah. That hole right next okay, to it. Okay, gotcha. So you see where the, where the tips are. Way, they're like Wait. 30 yards behind the next tee box. Right. That's a driver hole from the tips. But from, from the regular ones, it's like a seven iron mm. off the tee. And then it's a par four, you know, and then you'll have a 60 degree. And whereas you got, I'm be, thinking the one at Richmond, if they put the tees in the back. Oh well, yeah. That's, that's another, a, that's a long, long pull yeah. after that. Yeah. It turns in from a drivable par four to uh, you know, 380 yard hole, yeah. you know? So, it, and it's tight. That course is tight. Yeah. Richmond's I've played a lot of, a lot of events out there. It's a yeah. good course. Yeah, well, well, I usually play in. Um, I have the uh, the Maddie Potts Golf Tournament. I had Stephanie on, who the Maddie Potts Foundation. I don't know if you're familiar with them, mm. um, but uh, I got the bracelet right here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was a it's a girl who she passed away playing. Uh, she was big into sports at Cherahoe. She was only 17, and uh, her mom started the Maddie Potts Foundation. Uh, in, in memory and they're building a field house right now nice which is going to be amazing for chair how it's gonna um it's gonna really make that whole because it's right behind the baseball field i don't know if you've ever been to the high oh school yeah i've before. been down there yeah. my father's from westerly so we oh we, okay we we go down there i didn't know my that. uncle still lives in that area so okay and yeah. he my uncle nick used to coach at chair oh okay so I, we have connections to down there oh, okay yeah I love Cherahoe. It was a great school. Um, it was up and coming when I was playing. It was kind of. Yeah. Well, now it's ranked. It was ranked when I was there. My junior year was ranked number three in Rhode Island. Top nice. 10% in the country for high schools. Um, when we had that, we have a career and technical program there. Um, yeah, just, just really, that's how I got into 3D printing was through that college, uh, through that, through that program at program, the high school. Yeah. And um, I mentioned that before, but. Yeah, it, it, it really good school. I really enjoyed my time there. Um, and and like I said, baseball was a little iffy, but you know it is what it is. It's all politics sometimes, unfortunately. But who cares? It doesn't affect me now. <laughs> no, you'll be the one. You'll be the next line of coach that takes the politics out of it. Yes. Oh my gosh, it was bad. I remember even when you see it as a twelve year old, and you're like, "This is kind of stupid." It's not about you know how good you are it's about whose dad is sucking up to the coach <laughs> well, or i mean i say this with all respect because if you give the time you're making a commitment as mm-hmm. a parent but a lot of the coaches are somebody's parent mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and that, that was a great thing. I think that was the main thing about playing for Coach John is that parents had no say on on who played when and who played where. You know, if, if somebody had a problem with it and they told Coach John, Coach John would tell them exactly why they're not playing. Well, guess <laughs> what? Know? I mean, early on as a philosophy at mm-hmm. Ribby, when we started the AAU teams, it was our philosophy that you can't stick a kid, I mean, unless he's outstanding, mm. at one position because then you limit him. So if they're going to where everybody funnels junior high, high school, you're running into other people playing that position. If you don't have any other recourse, Mm -hmm. that's when you can get cut or Mm -hmm. you're on the bench. Learn to play a bunch of positions. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think John did that early on. He didn't care where you played your normal position. He wanted you to learn other positions too. And I think that's a great thing. I played a little bit of outfield. I mainly played. I mean, you know, you saw us play a few times. We played. I played first base most of the time, but I played outfield a couple of times, and I even pitched. That was an experience. I was not a great pitcher, though. Guess what? You you gave it an effort, though. And I had a nasty changeup sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, it was all sixty-five mile an hour fastballs. <laughs> Learn to locate, right, Max? Yes. Learn to throw good location. <laughs> oh man, I. Um, I remember we were playing um, this team up at uh, Davis Field, or, Dave, or Khaleesi, like the like the buns, you know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I, in Providence somewhere, I think, or Cranston. Near Bain, isn't that Khaleesi Field? I don't know, but right. it, it's, a, it's like a sketchy field. There was glass in the outfield sort of field. And um, there we were playing this other team and they were making all sorts of donkey noises and things like that. That's just obnoxious. And, and our pitcher was Brendan Kearns. Remember him? Awesome guy. And, uh, he like, he was about to pitch a ball and he's just laughing. <laughs> he's just standing there laughing. And then I pitched later that game and they weren't, they weren't chirping me that much, but cause I sucked, you know, like I didn't, like <laughs> it didn't really matter. Um, but yeah, that was my limited time pitching. But I pitched in rec a lot. Um, I loved pitching in rec because it didn't really matter, and I was loose. I feel like I was a better pitcher in rec than I was in AAU because I was more nervous in AAU. But yeah, so I think kids should play every position. And yeah, pick one later in life rather than early. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I think I made that mistake because I remember saying like back when I was in middle school that I wanted to be a first baseman. And then I think I trained a lot for that position and then sort of limited myself because I played outfield um, when I played on the Thunder when I was like 12, 13. And, uh, um, and then when I got to Ribby, I mainly played first base. But that was because it was only like me and one other guy that could play first, really. Um, so I think that was the main reasoning. And, you know, I, I got crap from guys because when you're involved in most – most of the plays that happen in the game, you make mistakes, you know, and then I miss picks and things like that. They're like, how come you couldn't pick me up? It's like, <laughs> it's like, well, dude, you just missed three ground balls last game. Like, I don't, you don't hear me making fun of you because of that. That's the thing about te- being a good teammate I would, you know, talk about. But, yeah, I think this is a uh, good time to wrap up. Okay. And uh, something I ask every podcast guest as the last question is, if you could leave one piece of advice, whether it's about baseball, life, business, anything, what would that piece of advice be? I'll tell you, it would be very simple for me. Enjoy it because it goes by very fast. Mm-hmm. Baseball career, you're going to have to 
hang up the spikes at some point. So you really got to enjoy your time, even as a businessman. I'm looking back at 30 years, and sometimes, you know, it's a job and it's tedious, but you got to enjoy the times you have and enjoy what you're doing, and don't ever have any regrets. That's my other thing is do what you want to do and have fun doing it. Great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I really looked forward to this conversation. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I really did. And um, thanks again. And uh, yeah, guys, if you want to check out Knowledge is Power on any other platforms, go ahead and make sure to leave us a review. Follow Knowledge is Power um, at uh, Knowledge is Power underscore RI on Instagram. Make sure to share the podcast on your social media uh, accounts. Make sure to subscribe to Knowledge is Power on patreon.com forward slash KIP dash POD. So thanks again for coming on. Anytime, Max. Yeah. And guys, I will catch you in the next one.